When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I'm good. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Sex Education Season 3. Damask Leary, how Mm. are things on the west side of Australia? Um, they're they're good. I I feel nervous about talking about them being good because other places are not so great. Um, We're doing I, fine. What are we talking about? Okay, <laughs> good. I <laughs> was telling you just before that I went to a puppet show last night. Um, yes. at the Spare Parts Theatre in Fremantle, and if anyone's in Perth, I recommend they go see it. It's called. Oh, fuck, what's it called? Uh, the One <laughs> Who plug. Plants Many Things, I believe. Okay. Um, it's really good. It's a children's puppet show, but kind of like almost moved me to tears. It was really, really good. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and that I know lovely. you guys and the arts community on the East Coast is really struggling at the moment. So, it is it is sad to know that I can go to the theatre here. But um, this is really good and I hope all you East Coasters will soon enjoy the theatre. I'm happy to hear you can go to the theatre. I'm looking forward to going to the theatre again one day. I'm looking forward just to be able to go and see James Bond, hopefully, at the cinemas when it's out. Oh, yeah. It's like top of my list. Um, But, yeah, you know, things are fine here in Victoria. We've got a plague, sure. Mm -hmm. We've got protests in the streets of Melbourne, sure. We've had earthquakes, whatever. (laughs) Just a normal fucking week in (laughs) Melbourne. Jesus Christ. Oh, dear. Uh, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Sex Education Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Summer break is over. Mordale High has a hip, young, new headmistress, and everyone be fucking. Season 3 of Sex Education continues to expand on its already giant ensemble cast, enrolling the talents of Jemima Kirk, Dua Salah, and Jason Isaacs, among others, and consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 56 minutes, taking us approximately seven hours and 30 minutes to watch. At the Netflix Tudum virtual event on September 25th, 2021, that is how you pronounce it, it was announced that Sex Education would be returning for a fourth season. Damask Leary, before we get to our spoiler-free review of Season 3, what were your thoughts on Sex Education Season 1 and Season 2? I really enjoyed them, hence why I agreed to come back for Season (laughs) 3. I think it's just like a really good, solid show that has a lot of heart and a lot of characters that you can care about. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, um, the first two seasons just coming with a lot of confidence, really polished, um, to a mirror shine, almost to its detriment, I've said a few times. Uh, but a lot of great characters, great performances, fantastic themes and storylines. And as we've said a few times, the sort of show I kind of wish 
we had when we were growing up as teens. Mm. Uh, might have had a better uh, idea of our own sexualities and bodies and all that sort of stuff if a show like Sex Education had been. So we were very much looking forward to season three. Do you want to give your spoiler-free review first? Sure. Absolutely. Now, it's not very long, this one. That's I mean, fair. I feel like this usually happens um, for shows that we've done a few seasons of, particularly mm-hmm. ones like this that, you know, unlike Breaking Bad where there's, yeah, a new bit of drama each season. Um, this is more just a character study. So, th- I feel like there's almost less to say. Mm-hmm. Does mean the enjoyment is any less? Anyway, so here we go. A lot of what we've already said is relevant, I think yes. you'd say, for season three, yeah. Absolutely. So, for the most part, season three gives me what I wanted out of it. All those lingering questions or unexamined characters get their time in the sun this time around. So, while you can sometimes see where a character or storyline is going, the journey is always fun to watch and speaks to the heart in a satisfying way, and this season does that again. The Otis and Maeve relationship is certainly the least interesting aspect of the show, once again. And for the most part, I think the creators and writers are aware of this. While it doesn't have my full investment, I'm never super bothered because that relationship isn't given too much time that it bogs down the rest of what's happening, which is good. Uh, No matter the relationship in this show, whether it be platonic or romantic, this show wants to give them as much space and value that reflects reality, which once again, I really appreciate. This show is sweet, solidly good, and one that deepens my connection to the characters with every season. There's not much more to ask for from a show that knows what it is and execute it on every level. Just once again, a solid season that I really enjoyed. Beautiful. Upon returning to Sex Education for the first episode of Season 3, uh, there was something going on. I had this weird little feeling in the back of my head that something just felt a little bit off for me. and I, It was nothing nothing massive. Mm. I was still very much enjoying the show. There was something that was a little bit strange. and I was trying to figure out what it was in the first episode. Is everyone just a little bit older? Am I having just a hard time reacclimatizing to the show? There was a bit of a break between Seasons 2 and 3 in production because of COVID, though that was not the case for us watching it because we've watched them all in pretty close succession. So we had a certain flow to it that maybe the production didn't. And I was like, I don't know, something doesn't feel quite right for me. I'm not vibing with this season just yet. But in many ways, as season three went along, it was just as great as season one and two. It's still extremely pretty and well-polished. It continues to expand that incredible cast. I really like this is very much an ensemble show. And like, Mm. yes, our main characters probably are Otis and Maeve. um, But there are the B and C and D and ongoing side stories. All the characters have stuff going on. um, And there's going to be someone, at least one character every episode, and their story you're going to attach yourself to. I do love just how sort of wide or broad or how much width this cast and these stories have. Um, I think when the show is at its best, it just seems to really understand its characters so well. It's Sometimes shows will have great characters, but maybe the story or the people making it don't realize why their stories are so compelling or why people love them. And I think this show always knows exactly what's working for it. Um, and it while it can feel larger than life sometimes, I also think the teenagers feel very authentic in terms of what's going on in their lives, even if they all seem to be far too confident for people their age. Um, I did want to, something I haven't talked about in previous reviews that much, I think you and Matt, when he came on, did season one with us, was talking about how much you guys love the Eric and Otis 
friendship. And mm. I think for some reason this season it really hit me just how wonderful they yeah. are together as a pair. They didn't necessarily concentrate on their friendship as a storyline that much, but whenever those two were in a scene together, it's just they have an undeniable chem- chem- chemistry that mm. is always fun to watch. And it might be that they're just getting more confident and comfortable with each other in that um in in doing that together those two performers, but I loved any time they're on screen. I also love that Amy got a little bit more spotlight this season than previously and I this is going to sound really really weird but in watching that character and that performance this season I feel like the actress that plays Amy who I'm going to name check later on I forgot to this before the review is going to be one of those faces an all-timer that we're going to see through like British comedies mm-hmm. and stuff for a very long time mm-hmm. that she has a presence that I think is so infectious and charming that we're going to just see heaps and heaps and heaps of her going forward. I don't know what it is, mm. but I mean, I'm just in my notes, convinced. I say, I think Amy is my favorite character. Like, I, I just think she's so wonderful. I think her last name is Lou Wood, but I can't remember her first name. I will check it before um, we get to our but yeah, spoiler she's talk. Great. She's so, so good. So good. Mm. Every, t- every line she's given, every moment she's get- given is fantastic i'm always smiling or laughing when mm-hmm. she's around it's like it's a gift yeah. i just wanted to highlight that however because i'm always boom, the debbie downer i do think <laughs> some cracks are starting to show a little bit in the show uh-huh. i don't think everyone's going to agree with me on this but i think the show has stepped a little bit into the cartoony or slapsticky realm more in this season than previous seasons I was counting the number of times I was looking at things and going, while it's always been a little over the top, this is getting very slapsticky or cartoony. Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to repeat some of its narrative beats or patterns a little too often. That's starting to irritate me as well, particularly Mm -hmm. around Otis and Maeve. I'll talk about this stuff when we get to spoilers as well. I don't disagree with that. And especially towards the end of the season, I think the writing started to fall into a habit of being a little bit too frank and unnatural, unrealistic. Usually the performances, I think, in the show do enough to get by when the ride is a little bit clunky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, by episodes seven and eight, I think that it was start the, the show was starting to strain under the weight of the less than subtle writing, the unnatural writing that was going on. Mm-hmm. There are lots of I think, I feel, I want, I need lines. Which don't isn't really how people communicate <laughs> that much, mm-hmm. particularly one storyline after another, after another, after another, after another, resolving in the last two episodes. It was like, boy, this has got a real f- f- finale. Like, the show is coming to an end. There won't be a season four vibe to it. We need to wrap up all these storylines. Mm-hmm. And we now know, I didn't know at the time we we're going to get a season four. We now know that we are going to. And I'm kind of just a little bit concerned going forward. Mm. I hope the show can do something next season to refresh itself in some way. Yeah. Because it's starting to feel a little bit like uh, it needs to mix things up Mm. a little bit. But that all being said, Mm. I very, very much enjoyed season three all the same. I've just like had a thought and I'm not saying that I believe this or agree with it or whatever. Um, But it's when you're talking about, you know, the I think, the I feel, I Mm -hmm. want, I need kind of stuff. Do we think at all it's because when we're looking at, not only the evolution of individual characters, but I guess this town's perception of sex and shame and all that stuff and being honest that 
as they're learning to be more honest, we're having those really kind of emotionally intelligent conversations. Maybe, but they're so um, they they sort of take away from any drama. Like mm-hmm. good writing tends to be saying things without having to say them directly. And while you're right, the communication can be very direct. That is mm-hmm. healthy communication. It also, when it's one scene after another, mm-hmm. one storyline after another, it's getting wrapped up. It can feel a little bit like just tying off loose ends rather than feeling natural, I think. So you're not wrong. I think there is something to observe but about that. But this also needs to be um, a drama more than just an educational video on how to have healthy conversations about things. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I still need to feel uh, emotionally honest to human beings. They can't just be robots, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, be a great twist, though, at the end. They're all, if they're all robots, robots, I mean, <laughs> it would add to my ongoing thesis as to what sort of weird post-apocalyptic reality I live in with yeah. all mixed technology and stuff like that. If they're all robots, too, yeah, it's, it's like... an exploration of AI. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. It's actually a version of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would it's you... Westworld spin-off, yeah. <laughs> how would you score this season out of five stars, Damask? Mm. Um, I, for me, it, for the most part, was pretty much on par with the rest of the season. So I'm giving it a four to match. I am also going to give it a four, but I'm going to give it the lowest four I've given the show. So (laughs) if I were to rank them at this point, season two would be my favorite season one below that and season three at the bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. Overall, like I said last week, when I was, we were talking about the fact that we're reviewing sex education season three next, we watched the entire thing basically within 24 hours, like in a weekend. Mm, We had a very, very good time with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but critically, I, I'm looking at it, starting to see some things and going, okay, mm. we let's not fall into some bad habits here. Yeah. It's hard for me to rank them just because, you know, I can be like, because I initially would say like, yeah, I think this is my least favorite season. But then there are some stories in this season that I'm like, oh, I think this is like, you know, my favorite storyline. So it's really sure. kind of hard. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, it's that time again where we beg and plead at your feet for you all to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The show really benefits when you leave five stars and a comment saying how much you enjoy what we do. It helps others find us, so share the love. Just like Jessica, who says Hunting Seasons is their go-to podcast for TV reviews. Initially, I started listening to Hunting Seasons because I was looking to reflect and process my thoughts after watching a season of television. Now I watch shows so I can listen to the Hunting Seasons episode because 
because I enjoy it so much. Thank you, Jessica. That's so so lovely. And to sweeten the deal, when we reach 25 lovely written reviews like Jessica's, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also appreciate it if you shared hunting seasons with everyone in your life that watches way too much TV, which is the entire population, let's be honest. So tell them, please, to check us out. Next week, we'll be back with a different sort of episode. It'll be an off-topic, hot-topic bonus episode, which will also feature a mini-review of Marvel's What If Season 1. We kind of decided we didn't have a heap to say about it, probably not enough to fill Mm. up a normal review episode, so we're going to make it a part of the next off-topic, hot-topic. If you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to off-topic, hot-topic, or if you have any thoughts on sex education or what if, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at Hunting Seasons podcast.com or find us on twitter at hunting scast but right now let's talk spoilers for sex education season three you're now entering the spoiler zone spoiler warning from here on we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one to three of sex education before listening any further we recommend watching all of sex education up to this point if you've not yet done so proceed with caution there are spoilers ahead you You have have been warned deep dive it's cool to know other people think about this stuff too i want to talk quickly about sort of a couple of my criticisms to get started. Mm-hmm. The main one being that the show is getting a bit cartoony and slapsticky. Yes. And that's getting a bit repetitive. I want to bring up just examples of what I'm talking about. Um, I thought things like the Groth brothers playing squash was very sort of cartoony and over the top. Um, Amy bringing the goat was like... It's like, you know, sometimes shows do this where... They start with a character and, like, she's a bit of a, you know, a bimbo or a ditz or whatever. And then mm. they sort of, like, just amp it up every season until they become super over the top. And I, like, the goat sort of did that to me, which then led to the joke of Dex running around with the goat to cover his dick um, when he was naked like in the that. first episode. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was so cartoony and, mm. yeah, over the top, I thought. Yeah. Um, Ruby having a dog in her locker. Um, and I don't think well, not saying these things. Sad. Well, and some of these things I, I go like as a joke. I I get the joke. It's I'm not even not saying it's not a funny joke. I just think it's like this is now a cartoon school. Like this is Greendale now, which How is not it? necessarily it's not Greendale. Well, it's it heading in that direction. Um, it, it, where I don't think it was ever. It did, wasn't like that in season one or even season two. The musical certainly was trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. but they've really just like gone. Okay, this is an over the top place. Um, the bit with Raheem in the bus bathroom needing to do his emergency shit, and then Jackson high as a kite beating on the door. I was like, wow, this is just like very very silly all was, the time now. Um, so that. The poo scene, the poo incident. Yes. I was like dry heaving. I was retching. I was on the like legit I could not stop. I was a I was really worried I was gonna vomit on my couch. Because you're like, laughing so much? Because it was disgusting. Oh. Like him reaching in and like grabbing his own poo with <laughs> a sock and then he's like holding it up. First of all, it's the biggest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> holding it up right in front of his I'm gonna Oh, hold on. Right in front of his face. 
Uh, and then, uh, and then he throws. Matt's not putting this on, by the way. She's literally the, struggling. Throws it out the window, and it hits. Uh, and it hits like the car, and then the it's in the wipers. <laughs> <laughs> so your uh, reaction to this is far funnier than I found the scene. It's, and it's the little- whole thing was disgusting. Okay, good example though of what I'm like talking about is when the show starts to like, and, I, and I, again, it's comedy. It's com- it is a comedy, but it's a very, it's becoming a very broad comedy, which is why mm. I think I'm, I'm just want to note that that's happening here. Mm-hmm. Was like when something like that hits your car, right? Do you know what you don't do? You don't keep driving. You hit the <laughs> fucking brakes and stop. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You don't swerve from left to right and hit the fucking bus next to you. You slam the brakes on mm. to figure out what the fuck happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, and so it's 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 really trending away from any realism, and that's fine. That's fine. I also thought though that then it starts to get a bit silly with things like in the second to last episode when they're having the school presentation and the kids take over and like that was a lot of fun. But when students are literally wrestling with the principal. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. She's grabbing Ruby by the hair and shit like this. Like, there's literal yeah. physical assaults happening. I'm <laughs> like, this is not, that's not realistic anymore. It's not in this in any realm something that I can believe anymore. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it is worth mentioning the show has drifted into that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, on the repetitive beats side of thing as well, and where I think like, just starting to feel like the show needs to mix it up a little bit. This whole every time Maeve is single, Otis has got a girlfriend, and every time Otis is single, Maeve has a boyfriend thing. Mm-hmm. Drive me up the fucking wall. Mm-hmm. I was like, time to get b- past that, guys. They can just both be single and not want to be with each other for a while. That could be fine. Or actually we- give it a crack, and either it works or it doesn't. Yeah, let's just give it a go finally. Let's just and find it looks out. like they might. And now that we know that we're getting a season four, because for a while there, I was like, are they just going to leave the show there as like a choose your own ending sort of thing? Um, but now we know we get to season four, I guess we will get figure that out. Unless Maeve comes back with a fucking boyfriend or Oz has got a girlfriend while she's away, which is they've left that door open as well. Mm. Uh, the the montage about three quarters of the way into every episode where one character is texting I'm sorry to another person who looks at it and then doesn't reply has probably oh, had its fill. It happens <laughs> so often. Mm. So often. It's probably had its fill. We can we can move on from that now. Well, maybe that's all the teens are doing on their phones is texting "I'm sorry" to one another and ignoring it, <laughs> and then I ignoring don't, I don't it. Know. Um, I just wanted to sort of explain what I was talking about there. Yep. What would you like to talk about? Um, well, just in, I want to acknowledge how you feel. Um, I want you to feel seen and heard. <laughs> um, and I think I the podcast by existing does that. You don't need to. <laughs> No, no, I want want to validate you, Felix. Um, No, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I think um, the Maeve and Otis kind of will they, won't they, you know, when will these two star-crossed lovers finally have their moment? I think Mm. it's – I don't think showrunners and creatives should be afraid of putting their OTPs as – um, us young millennials used to call them in <laughs> on Tumblr days. Um, I don't know if the kids still do. <laughs> like, I don't think they should be afraid of putting them together. And if it doesn't work or it's boring, then just like most of our relationships in real life, they end. And then that great big love that you once thought of is just a nice memory. And then you can like create new stories. 
Like that's not something to be afraid of. And I think, you know, go there if you want to go there and actually explore what those two together might really look like. Yeah. I think that makes for more interesting storytelling. Uh I also feel like if they didn't feel like they need to get to Mavenos this season, maybe we were going to do a full season of Otis and Ruby, which I could have done with another four episodes of those two together. Me too. I'm surprised it ended so. I really enjoyed Abruptly. that storyline. Like me I really too. enjoyed Ruby. Um, I thought it felt like it felt real to me. <laughs> like um, Ruby and Otis's dynamic together and yeah. the complications of that and. Yeah, Ruby's vulnerabilities while still being Ruby. I thought the way they balanced that was really cool. Um, but before we go sure. fully into into that, um, yeah, I, I have I struggle with, I guess sometimes the American side mm. of this show in terms of things like the kids standing up for what's right and and the way they go about that. I find that kind of believe in yourself mentality uncomfortable as an Australian <laughs> and I just am like oh is that really how we how you go about that I don't know it's just kind of a little sometimes Disney Channel movie sure me, yes that makes me yes. a little uncomfortable I guess like the dirty like version of it because mm. it's obviously about sex and pro yeah. you know being sex positive and all that sort of stuff so it's got dick jokes in there and and vagina cupcakes but it's got that energy to it i get what you're saying yeah yeah um and i think we can have a character like hope and this is similar to my criticism of principal gruff last season though mm. they rectified it this is that you know when we get to the point where hope is saying to i think her name's vivian just the most kind of um you know, disregarding, devaluing the concerns of her pupils in just like the most basic way, like twirling her mustache, being like, I don't give a fuck about you kids. It's like, well, hope can be many things and just making her evil, but she's having issues with getting pregnant isn't enough nuance or layers to make that interesting for me. Yeah, I agree. Very much so. And it's funny because I thought they were doing something really clever for a lot of the season by having her be obviously so like hip and young mm. and cool and presentable in a way that like you would assume. she gets it, man. She gets it. That mm. she's like, she's progressive in yeah. some way, right? But maybe she's having a hard time like trying to figure out how to make this mm. school work or whatever. But then I also liked that they were giving you these little hints along the way that she was actually kind of just like a casual bigot. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, with the, the way- Jackson thing. She meets Jackson for the first I time. I wrote a list because they were so good. I was like, she's for, fucking uh, racist. She's a, it's exactly like, I was yeah. co- constantly I was like, she's a fucking racist bitch. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. and it was like, she <laughs> immediately overlooked Jackson as being head boy and thought it was Adam. Mm-hmm. She didn't shake Viv's hand at one mm-hmm. stage uh, early on the season. Uh, Cal pointed out that she likes to split us up, which mm-hmm. Cal was correct about. Uh, she... Said one of those characters, I believe one of the black characters was innately disobedient. Innately is a word yeah. that in particular is pointed there. And then this is less racism, but when talking to Viv, I think one of the things she says to Viv, and one that I, I an element I wish they explored a little bit more, because I think it, it could lean into the storyline about her problems getting pregnant, is when she talks about something Viv does as being an innately female trait. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's such a female trait. And I was like, you've got some shit going on, lady. Yeah. 
And I actually like that because no one was necessarily outward pointing to her and going racist, sexist, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. There was like just this layer of like people you might look at and think are cool or or have it together or even progressive are actually not. Mm-hmm. Was a cool Particularly place to be. when they've reached that level of success at such a young age in totally. like such a traditionally formal setting. Well, in order to do that a lot of the time, one needs to absolutely kind of up up uphold is that god oh, my brain sure. just yep. collapsed up, uphold, uphold the, the values yeah. of that system and so while they might be like you know hashtag girl bossing all over mm-hmm. the place um it there's probably a, a lot of kind of insidious stuff behind the scenes there that you might not but think then about. while that was working for me yeah then she turned into professor umbridge yeah there was a real turn i was like oh come on like you can yeah. still kind of, and it is confusing, I think, for young people and, you know, lots of people really when you see someone that you admire, mm-hmm. but you have that feeling of like, oh, but this doesn't feel right. But I also like, I think they're cool and I want them to like me. And like, mm-hmm. I think there's plenty more to mine there than just simply, yeah, like you said, umbridging her. Yeah. At the moment, the placards were going up around those kids. Oh I was like, oh, you're, you're just a monster. This is just abstract humiliation. Like, it's yeah. no longer in... Again, the show went cartoony, right? It went to a place that was so over the top as to not longer be really commenting on anything real anymore. Mm-hmm. It made her a cartoon villain at that point. And... That's where the show has always been so strong for me as well. It can be big and broad. It's also kind of touched on real vulnerabilities. And this, sometimes when it goes over the top, I think it's losing a little bit of that uh, relatability, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, it's probably even worse when it's something like this with the villains. And I, it's funny because I was like, the Groff stuff you were talking about last season, I said there's room for just there to be straight villains. Um, she's equally over the top. <laughs> if not more so than Groff in some ways, which is pretty crazy. Um, speaking of Groff, though, do you have anything else to say about Hope before we move on? No, I don't think so. How did you feel about the stuff they did with Groff? I know you were really hoping they would um, do something to, like, mm. make him a, you know, a, a person, person again. Yeah. yeah. For the most part, I enjoyed it. And they did exactly what I wanted them to do. And I was like, well... I think naturally that is what the story would be. So I wasn't surprised, but I did find it satisfying. Um, my only like niggling little issue with it is I, you know, the the brother character. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's another basic character How that is just, just bad. I think you've just kicked the can down the road, right? You've just mm. said it wasn't actually my... Um, Michael Groff was the problem. It was his brother was the per- was the real bully who was only a bully because their dad was a bully. It's like, mm. and yes, there's a comment to be made there, but if you're going to humanize Michael, then kind of make sure you give a little bit of that to the brother too, so that mm-hmm. we understand this is syst- systemic, not yeah. that just one cartoon villain begets another. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that yeah, so we've seen. Adam make different choices that then mm. stops the pattern. Now mm. his dad is doing the same thing. That's great. But we can also have a moment of like recognition from the brother of, or just, yeah, a moment of pause being like, oh, I am actually a human. And this also has, t- is taking its toll on me as well. This kind of dynamic that we've all kind of been made in. Yeah. So, but otherwise, I, I mean, I loved to see him cooking i thought that mm-hmm. was really sweet um True. i really enjoyed the kind of complication around him 
wanting to fix things with his wife and him thinking, oh, if that is fixed and he's in the family home and him not having any real regard or understanding of the fact that he has a son in this relation, Mm. in this situation and that relationship is actually far more broken than the one with his wife or soon to be ex-wife. So I'm assuming that's where we're going season four. He thought the fact that his marriage breaking down was the thing he needed to fix and I'm hoping in season four he has the realisation that, oh, it's actually, that is over, but the one thing that can never be broken is my relationship with my son and that's something I need to focus on. Absolutely. agree 100%. I think Adam's storyline is set up for that as well based Mm, on where he's at too. Um, After the fallout, we got a season of Adam and Eric together. We did. um, Which... I think at the end of season two, we would, we need to be convinced about this, particularly mm-hmm. because we thought Raheem was a better fit for yep. Eric. I don't think that's wrong still. No. In the sense that where Eric ends up sort of leans towards, oh, yeah, well, that would have been Raheem to some degree, Would have is, is much more... Well, he was ahead of you, really, and you've maybe caught up to where Raheem was and you yep. actually are a good fit in that, in that regard. Yeah. Um, Eric has probably still got plenty he wants to do on his own. I don't blame him for that either. Certainly the stuff Mm. in Nigeria suggests that too, which is great. Um, That being said, the chemistry between Eric and Adam is very good as well. And I found it extremely (laughs) cute and I was very happy that they were happy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I think this will, you know, if Eric does end up being a, monogamous adult man i can see him marrying an adam type Mm -hmm. like adam's like the guy that you wife for lack of a better term the the guy you husband um yeah but if when you're young and wanting to be out there and just kind of live your life and kiss a bunch of boys and have a good time yeah settling down with like old man adam is probably not what you want to do Sure. And what I enjoyed about old man Adam, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that dog, conversation. The one who who trains dogs for dog shows. Oh my yeah. gosh, so cute. <laughs> it is um, cute. Yeah, the thing. What I really enjoyed about that relationship unfolding and its ultimate kind of demise was that no one was really wrong. Like, mm. obviously, Eric shouldn't have kissed someone, but like, you can hardly blame him being. Uh, you know, I back think that was Ni- really well handled. I think in, so. Back in, in Nigeria, of, being yeah. with his people, feeling at home, um, surrounded by love and excitement and possibility um, was really lovely to, sa- to see and kind of was quite emotional to see mm. in a lot of ways, even though you know that usually when I see someone cheating on TV, I'm like, no, don't you do it. When Eric was kissing that boy, I was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> like, yeah. It makes a lot of sense that, of course, you would. Um, at his age, at, yeah, at, at totally. he's growing and discovering and learning more about himself on so many levels. Yes. Like, this is a heritage yeah. level, it is also his sexuality. Mm-hmm. There is so much happening there, and he's been stuck in this tiny post apocalyptic town of Mordale, <laughs> which exists disconnected from the rest of the world, yeah. apparently. And it's weird. Post apocalyptic, you know, but also kind of utopian. Like, it's quite. It, it's weird, yeah. Yeah. But there's like four gays in the village, and he's one of them. Yes. And like one of them, su- one well, one of them super mean. The one he's currently with used to be his bully, and the other one sort of drifted in out of nowhere last year. Mm. And it's like he hasn't really had a chance to explore, understand himself in that way. Yeah. And especially at that age, like I'm gonna be honest with you, did some shit I shouldn't have done, you know, in monogamous relationships when I was that age. Oh, didn't we all? As a teenager. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I regret those on a certain level. I also mm. think that is a part of growing up and figuring that shit out. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're like, oh, like, that was a bit of a shithead move. I'm not proud of. The, but- I'm not proud of those things, but yeah. I, I. You look, get it though, as an adult. I, you're like, you're a, a kid. Like, let's not be yeah. too hard on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. Um. No. I. Yeah. I, I like the fact that they were. Both were kind, kind to of Eric like there. I didn't mind the fact that Adam wasn't ready to mm-hmm. be at that level, that stage, and that's totally understandable. He shouldn't have to be. I don't think it was judgmental. No. Do you know what I mean? I don't think neither of. I don't think the show was judgmental towards either of them. No. It was just understanding of both where they are at both times. Yeah. Um. But I love. I, I th- that, and that's where it's like the difference. So actually, that's a really interesting example, right? Yes, communication is something that these people get better at, and so we have these "I love," "I need," "I feel," "I want" conversations. Mm. But Adam's struggle to communicate is excellent drama because it creates mm-hmm. that great moment where Adam is trying to say to him, to Eric, "I would like you to put your dick in me," yes. which is so beautiful and romantic. Beautiful. Yeah, like like legitimately, actually was. Yeah, though. I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I awed at that moment. I was like, totally, oh, that's so beautiful. Totally. Yeah, but just does not have the words or didn't know how to express himself that way. Mm. And that created a great episode of drama for those. I'm two. weirdly like, I do have my period. I'm weirdly tearing up <laughs> right now. Yeah, that is beautiful. Go on. Um, and then followed by things like when Adam doesn't introduce Eric as his boyfriend at mm. one point. And Eric's like, I got to go, sorry, actually, bye, mate. And then walks away. And I like, felt oh, all of that. Yeah. Because you don't need to say on the way out, I feel hurt that you didn't say that. You can yeah. say, bye, mate, and express what you're saying. And I yeah. get it straight away what you're saying. That's a that really moment. good point. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I thought their storyline was handled magnificently. It was so good. Yeah. Like, for all my concerns um, and fears about... You know what I expressed in season one review. Um, I'm really happy with where it's gone. I'm really happy, and yeah, it makes me emotional just thinking about Adam. <laughs> Matt Palmer, if you're listening to this episode, because I know you're a big fan of the Eric and Adam stuff in season one mm. in particular, I'd love to. We'd love to hear your thoughts on us. Send us an email or an audio recording. We'll pop it in. They're off topic, on topic. Mm. Yeah, I really want to know your thoughts. Actually, yeah. Um, who else you want to talk about? Um, I'll talk about a storyline that didn't quite get there for me, mm-hmm. um, which was the Lily one with her alien stuff. Mm, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I love, previously have loved Lily as a character mm-hmm. um, and thought she was a great part of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I feel like she was on the periphery, like... I don't know if I got a great, other than like very small flashbacks and I understood it like a rudimentary level of like why she's attracted to the alien thing and all that stuff. Like I don't, I've known Lily for a couple of years now. You know what I mean? It feels like that. I'm like, I'm fine with the alien thing. Like I don't really need to explore that on a whole other level. Mm -hmm. If we want to really dive into societal pressure and shame put on that. I'm happy to do that. I'm not sure we did beyond just seeing her feel made to feel bad about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, (laughs) Is the problem we've got with Lily 
is also that she's been attached to the most non-character in the entire show. Like, ever since they put mm-hmm. her together with Ola, I don't feel like they've really known what to do with Lily as much anymore. Um, but the I, thing is, like, it, that's... I But she is full of endless possibilities to me. You could do whatever the fuck uh, you want to do with Lily, even if she is in a relationship. I agree, but they filter it through the Ola stuff, and I, I just don't think... I don't know, Ola shouldn't be in the show, I think, sometimes. I just don't think they know what to do with her. They've never found anything interesting to do with her, I don't think. Um, but mm. the... Yeah, I agree with you. It did feel like a weird place for it to go and it felt so periphery and unconnected to everything else and dis- or disconnected to everything else. And kind of in a way that was their point because then she disconnected herself from the world for a period there. And I did legitimately think the show was going to do something awful with her and I was Why? super relieved when they didn't. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, it did. I don't know. It, it did feel like a storyline that just wasn't quite... They didn't hit the home run like they do with so many other storylines this mm. season. Do you think they yeah. could have done a better job of it or do you think it was just not the right material to mine into with her? No, I th- I just don't think they invested enough time in it. Like yeah. we see, obviously, Ola ask Otis to go and talk to Lily because they're friends, but we don't really get an opportunity to see Lily enjoy friendship with other people. I so honestly like, think that would be a good place to start mm. is just have her involved with other people more. Yes. Is because I think at this point... Because when we do see that, weird- it's really satisfying because she is a friend and always has a fantastic perspective on things. And she had she had a couple of moments like that last season mm. when she was Ola's friend and yeah. Ola was coming to her for advice around Otis and then her interactions with Otis and stuff like that were quite... Good. ...fun and mm. very true to the character. And, you, and I think that's what the show, you know... Uh, naturally, the the community of Mordale, the students of Mordale, start to become more of a collective. They're less separate, in, separate into their sort of like stereotypical groups and stuff like that. Mm. We don't. Lily can be part of the team and still be the weird one if mm-hmm. that's what you need to be. And we can tell that story without having to. Yeah, she she would be served so much better to be part of the rest of the ensemble and not kept over there the whole time. Yeah, agreed. Mm. What about Jean and Jacob? This season. Oh, that was very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're because they're preggers now, fully pregs. <laughs> we pregs. And, and, um, and then they realise they don't actually know each other. And I was like... Some of the stuff Jakob was saying was like, fuck, you've never had this discussion before. You don't have yeah. any idea of this person's politics whatsoever. Whatsoever. Well, they, just be, they just be fucking, you know? They, they just, just be, be fucking. Fu- I mean, everyone in Mordale just be fucking. That's true. <laughs> this is true. Um, so that was stressful. I was like, to move your families in together yeah. so quickly is the dumbest fucking thing. And then to discover that, oh, maybe you're not compatible. Let's start talking about breaking up. Like two weeks in of moving your kids into the same house is just be it's wildly irresponsible for two people who have been like single parents for so long. I just it blew my fucking mind <laughs> at the decision making that was going on. Um but ultimately I you know I quite enjoyed the journey learning more about Jacob and his history and why he would genuinely be needs therapy. Insecure. He genuinely <laughs> needs therapy, um as we all do. <laughs> Um, and yeah, dealing with Gene's past, not that I think it's his fucking shit to deal with, but you know, men be menning, I guess. Um, (laughs) and then (laughs) 
I really didn't like the ending, though, with the alluding to the fact that it's not Jacob's baby. I was like, oh, fuck off with this Jerry um, Springer bullshit. Do another, not give me this. This is like um, a Maven Otis thing of being like, well, yes. now we have to split them up. I was like, do we, though? Do yeah. we? Another reason I was like, boy, I wouldn't be upset if this is the last season, actually, mm. was that. I was like, that's the territory we're heading to. Not loving it. Especially because... I don't think there's any obvious candidates for who it would be. I don't think there was ever a question. It's not Remy. They only kissed, unless there was something that happened off screen we didn't see. No, but they did. Oh, you know. No, they, they didn't. Kiss. They got caught. Mm. Otis came home and they were just making out. And um, is it the the bike guy from the start of season? I feel like enough times passed that that's not the case. I mean, she Although could have been having sex Gina with anyone while the they were broken up. F- uh, that's true. But she knew she was pregnant. Oh, that's true. Pretty. Very. She yeah. knew she was pregnant at the end of last se- of season two. Maybe so the it's- twist is it's not her baby. That'd be fucking shocking. <laughs> it's an alien baby. It's the an aliens alien are baby. Louise. Actually- <gasps> oh, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm really looking forward to season four now. <laughs> um, although, now think about it, how much time has actually passed in this show? Like, could be two weeks. Could be seventeen years. I've well, no idea. It's got to have been nine months. Uh, it's going to have to have been a nine-month period. Though, we don't know how long human gestation takes in this new world. <laughs> in more, Dale. So, we don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. But, like, I believe... I, I thought that was the summer break, right? I believe they said something about, like, coming back from summer break, which is about three to four months. And so, by the end of this season, we have to have passed another five or so months. Or let's say she found out she was pregnant two months in. Mm-hmm. Oh, listen. Maybe the maybe the motorcycle guy is. Maybe that does fit. Actually, maybe it was pre Jacob. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't just know. don't think I care. Yeah, that's. I was about to say. I'm like, I don't think I care though. Unless it's Jacob's, I don't care. Mm. I mean, yeah. if it's not Jacob's, and the story is Jacob having to essentially be a dad to this kid that's not genetically his, mm-hmm. that's not a terrible storyline. That's a that's that can be a real world. Situation with a complex solution. But I wish, like, I just need Jean and Jacob to have a much stronger foundation as a couple to justify him staying. I know they're really, they're both really good people. They have lots of sexual chemistry. But that doesn't necessarily, to me, make me go, oh, they should be together forever and he should. Mm hmm. Yeah, be raising that baby if he already has so many concerns and then has to, yeah, compromise in that way. I, I don't know. Like, there's already so much muck in there that that yes. added extra. I'm like, oh, f- now you're making it impossible for them to be together, which is so annoying. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Who else would you like to talk about? Um. Well, I love Amy, as we said earlier. Mm-hmm. I just... Yeah, her going to therapy, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love these conversations. I think it was good that the Breakfast Club rah-rah women's suffering moment in last season wasn't the end of the – or wasn't the solution to, like, Amy's issues. Mm -hmm. That they've continued into this season and it's still affecting her and Steve to the Mm -hmm. point where she breaks up with him at the end of the season and – um, and it was, yeah, an ongoing complex issue that, you know, was helped by therapy. I'd love that. And 
like I said in my review at the start, she's just so fucking charming. I still looked up the actress's name, but she's so charming. Like, I enjoyed every moment they spent with her this season. And I loved, I actually really loved the stuff with her and Maeve as well. Um, oh, fucking Amy. fuck you, Maeve. Fuck you. How <laughs> dare you be mean to her? That I was furious with that scene when Amy tells her that she paid for the trip. Because I was like, Maeve, that's what friends do for each other. Like, yeah. you fucking love each other. You uh, would have done it for her. Like, I understand the that, insecurity, but as someone yeah. who loves Amy, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I understood I understood May's problem because she's had to reinforce that I don't need anybody and I certainly don't need fucking money um, her entire life, right? And not being able to accept charity and all those sorts of things, I get that May feels that way. I did think, I did like the argument with um, Amy and Maeve, though, because Amy was like, well you would have helped me if I was in this situation. And it's like Maeve didn't really have an answer to that, which I mm. thought was good. However, just because now we're jumping from, just put a pin in the Amy stuff. That was great. Mm. How do we feel about Maeve's mum giving her the money to go to America at the end? I mean, how do I feel? How do I feel? It's, it's, a, little, it's a little bit deus ex machina. I didn't really believe that. Well, yeah, that's it feels like a bow on the story. Y- yeah, like we're not yeah. coming back next season. Um, I just meant like in order to get rid of Maeve's mum as a. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Contrivance or whatever. Um, yeah, I didn't feel. Oh, neither her name here is nor there Amy, Lu- Amy Lou Wood. Her name is Amy. It's spelled the same way too. There you go. Amy Lou Wood. <laughs> I salute you. I look forward to seeing you in many, many more TV shows and yeah. movies in the future. May you be Doctor Who in five <gasps> to ten years. <laughs> Could be next. <gasps> Fuck, that'd be great. That'd be oh so good. Oh my god! Good, now actually. I want Amy Lou Wood as Doctor Who. Let's Holy get that shit. trending, everyone. <laughs> or even I'd take her as a companion. Like I would be very happy with Doctor Who, but mm. she'd be a great fucking companion too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd be great in either. anything. Get she'd her in great fucking in Doctor Who. I'm in. <laughs> if she's a Dalek on fucking Doctor Who, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Maeve's mum stealing Elsie and I don't know. I'd Whatever. My answer <laughs> to that is whatever. About, well, I, f- I feel bad for the character and I think when I'm watching it, I do feel – I think that actress is great actually who plays Maeve's mum. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I th- for that moment, I was just like, oh, well, that's how they're just wrapping up that story. You, you know? know how you were saying you struggle with the Americanism of this show sometimes? Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I didn't believe the characters thought that going to America was that big a deal. Everyone, every time I said, like, you've got to go to America. It's going to be such a huge opportunity, maybe. I'm like, listen, it'd be great, but America's not that amazing, guys. It's yeah. it's seriously, it's it's fine. It's just a place. <laughs> um, yes. I was like, well, what school is she going to? Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. makes a big difference as to like what kind of education you're going to get in America. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Maeve then. Um, let's talk about Maeve and Isaac because mm-hmm. that left it was an interesting place last season. Yes, you know, I didn't like him to begin with. He sort of made his way into Maeve's situation. It started to make sense, and mm-hmm. then he did a massive dirty on her. And uh, deleted real, real invasion of privacy um, yes. and deleted that message. And manipulative too. Mm-hmm. Let's start with just that, the resolution of that decision. How do you feel about Isaac coming clean? And I think legitimately 
understanding that what he did was awful. Yep. And also believing that he did maybe think he was doing the right thing at the time. Yeah. But then coming to the realization that he fucked up big, 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 big time and being really sorry about it. Well, I appreciate resolutions like that to stories like these because we see, you know, the deleting something or hiding something or keeping some information from someone you love. Or stealing um, your mum's therapy book that no one seems to remember or even cares about the fact that he did that, but whatever. Yes. All of that stuff, you know, um, we see so often in teen dramas. Like, I fucking love the show One Tree Hill and Sophia Bush is my forever crush. And if she's listening, the marriage proposal stands forever. Um, like, we see that shit all the time in, like, shows like that. Yeah. Um, and it's so infuriating to watch. I was like, just fucking tell them. Like, this is so boring and annoying. So for them just to be like, oh, he feels bad about it. He's going to talk about it with her. And I think, yeah, it's being truthful with um, why he thinks it was bad, why he is sorry for what he's done. Um, I was like, oh, good. I'm so glad this isn't going to be drawn out as a big secret yeah. to be revealed by someone else later. Yeah. Because fuck that. Um, yeah, no, it worked for me. I agree. I was surprised by how much it worked for me because I was so against him after the end of last season. Mm. I was like, I don't see how you make me invest in this. Anytime, maybe spending any time with him, I'm just going to hate it and mm. like not want her to be there. Mm. And so him coming clean and really, really, really seeing, seeming apologetic about it, properly, properly falling on his sword. Mm. Um I was very impressed by, actually. Mm-hmm. That was really well handled. And led to one of the sexiest scenes in the show. I was going to say that. Holy oh. shit. Oh. Oh, my God. Like, I was all hot and bothered. I was like, yeah. I, I'm, like, very aroused. <laughs> like, that was fucking hot as shit. Yeah, it was a good scene. It was, it was a scene. very mm. good scene and mm-hmm. did a lot to like sell that, oh, maybe I do want these two kids to keep, stay together because well, they seem <laughs> to be very compatible. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like for when she was with him, it just made Otis seem worse. Like for Maeve, I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck off, Otis. Like you're actually not compatible and every time you jump in her life, you just make it a little bit worse. So fuck off and let her be happy with this guy <laughs> who seems to like be pretty good for her. Yeah, particularly when he was coming around when Elsie was kidnapped. Um, yeah. I was like, fuck, you're a fucking cunt, Otis. Just piss the fuck off. It was, oh, it was annoying me. But then they were both dickheads. I was like, oh, I get what we're doing yeah. now. This is so intolerable to watch. Um, yeah, that, that pissed me off too. I, I couldn't was... believe the dick swinging going on yeah. when she... Like, either you care about the girl or you don't. Like, stop staring at your own dicks. It was so fucking <laughs> annoying. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, let's come back to the Otis thing because ultimately she... What was the big reason at the end that she... It's been a couple of weeks since I watched it. Why did she sort of walk away from the Isaac stuff in the end? Because um, no she long- was confused about Otis and he said to her, he's like, oh, I don't want to be in a relationship with you if you have any like oh, question marks. Oh, he stepped marks. away from her more, yeah. And she was like... Oh, okay, that's fair, which of course it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how that dissolved and then made way for Otis. Oh, that's right, because she did the they had the kiss, that's right. Oh, yeah. when they were on the bus trip. That's right, that's right, that's right. How'd you feel about that? The finally after two and a half seasons getting the Maven Otis kiss. Um in the most contrived scenario <laughs> ever as well. Like talking about cartooning, mm. it's like, oh, we've been left behind on the bus because of a home alone situation. That's a real one tree hill. Um is episode. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, always always missing a bus or the car uh-huh. breaking down and so these two characters who have sexual chemistry are stuck and then, oh, my God, we love each other. Yeah. Um, mm, and then obviously everything gets reset the next day, which is pretty much what happens here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how did I feel about that? I mean, it was contrived and I don't really care about their romantic relationship. I care about their friendship. I don't really yeah. care about their romantic relationship. I'm glad we. I guess I'm glad we got there because we need to get there sooner than later and move on from it. Yes. It's like the way, will they won't they nature of it is tiresome at this point. Mm-hmm. And if they dare, if they dare have Maeve come back next season, they're just not together. Mm. Maybe they get together because they're like, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I can't stop thinking about you. And they realize they're actually on different paths. A bit yeah. like. Eric and Adam, yeah. then fine. It was all just expectation and sure. doesn't necessarily mean it's a great relationship, yeah. But fucking just get us there and do it. Because yeah, that's I'm, what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I was like, yeah, writers and creators just really need to get over this will they, won't they. That's fine for a season, whatever. Let's not draw it out. Let's allow characters to be in relationships so we can really look at it. I mean, that's what yeah. I loved about, you know, Leslie and... Ben in Parks and Rec was like they actually put them together just to see if it would work and thankfully it did and you know it's one of the best relationships to see on TV Absolutely. but it's not like you can't make a show about a healthy relationship particularly with Absolutely. an ensemble cast you can or yeah it cannot work out you can find out the chemistry doesn't work on screen and break them up and then they're just great friends so Absolutely. just do it there's, yeah. there's barely enough room for the amount of storylines I have anyway yeah. <laughs> listen if Eric and Maeve were to walk off into the sunset happy forever, while as unfulfilling as that might be, and left room for other storylines that are more interesting anyway. I'm sorry, so Maeve and Eric? That's a real twist. Maeve and Otis, that would be a twist. <laughs> that Wait, would be what? a hell of a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, on that though, on the whole Maeve and Otis thing, they kept trying to push this idea that the, the old toilet block was a big deal, that it was coming down to them. Mm. I believe they spent all of about two episodes there and the rest of the time their their clinic really existed between the lockers and then anywhere they met people all Mm. over the school, if not Moordale. I didn't really feel like the the toilet block meant that much. It did to Cal. I understood why a safe place for Cal mm. being gone was a big deal. But this idea that Maeve and Oz like, oh my God, the clinic's gone. It's like the clinic wasn't even there last season. You guys didn't work together all through season two. I don't understand this contrived storyline that this is a big deal, that the, 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 the clinic's no longer around anymore. It kind of felt yeah. very forced to me. I mean... If it was reframed slightly and they were just like, oh, you know, like that's where we met or whatever, or that's where we really became friends. And I'd be like, mm. okay, yeah, sure. Because like, I don't know, nostalgia is a powerful thing, um, particularly if your relationship is kind of fractured or whatever that would be, you know, a catalyst for perhaps kind of reuniting or whatever it might have been. Um, mm-hmm. But it felt more like something that would happen in, yeah, a, a final season being like, this is where we began. It's being torn down. Don't you, the audience, feel something about that? Yeah. I didn't necessarily feel that, but I, I I could see why not the clinic, but simply the setting for their the beginning of their friendship was important to them. Um did you want to talk more about Otis and Ruby? No, not Ru- oh and Ruby, sorry, I thought you said May. Um just that I love Ruby and fuck Otis. It really bothered <laughs> me on the fr- on the France trip when he is They've broken up because uh-huh. she has said that she loves him and he's like, oh, I can't really feel that for you right now. <laughs> 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 Wanted to fucking punch him. I was so pissed off with him. 
I know. It wasn't sadness. I was furious yeah. that he didn't say I love you too. I'm like, on you're the phone. a fucking idiot. You anyway. are a dickhead. You are a full on fucking yeah. idiot. But on that France trip, and he was just like following around and bothering oh. her. I'm like, leave this girl alone. <laughs> what is your yeah. problem? Like, Absolutely. you've broken her fucking heart, and now you want to feel better about the situation. So you're like, I'm sorry. It's like, yeah. fuck off. Give her some time and space. It pissed me off so much. I love Ruby now. <laughs> I, really I, I, I've totally come around on it. I'm really, I'm really happy the show did give us some more time with them because obviously we got that little blip with them in season two mm. and you said yourself you would have liked to have seen more of it and I had seen the trailers that there was stuff with mm. them. I was like, oh my God, we're going to get some more Otis and Ruby and it was great. I thought they worked really well together. Like I just, I was like, yeah, I can see this. this is so the be- that's where the best couples happen, right? It's when mm. this happens on TV all the time and they feel like opposites attracting and they're not, a ne- you don't look at them and go, well, they'll make a great pair, but they complement each other in what, what they do for each other and to help sort of like deal with their, each other's flaws or whatever, yeah. the team that they create. Mm-hmm. And the, the stuff with Ruby. Otis going with Ruby to Ruby's house and him being the first person that she's ever taken back there was so sweet and so humanizing and so heartbreaking. (laughs) And how the fuck Otis didn't fall in love with her then and there, I do not understand. It makes no sense to me. It's totally ridiculous. (laughs) Particularly because I know, like, you know, I once was a teenager. And then, like, if you have, like, someone who is beautiful that you get along with that you're having sex with and yeah. everything and and they show a vulnerability and let's be fair, she's a fucking babe as well she's like don't so even be beautiful <laughs> she's like <laughs> a supermodel even. just walking around their fucking tiny apo- apocalyptic town sure <laughs> yeah um for him not to like be totally wrapped up in that and be like oh my god i love you too yeah is just absurd i'm sorry it is absurd absurd more unrealistic than the Lily alien stuff. Like that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, we do need to give some time, I think, also to Jackson and Cal. Mm, they do. keep just giving Jackson great storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was pretty pissed off what they did with Viv, though, this season, I might say as well. Oh, Viv. Yeah. That was a true. bit of a character assassination, I thought. The moment that she said yes to being head boy... Like, immediately in front of Jackson with no hesitation. Didn't even think, uh, uh, and then, like, had to be convinced by hope that, like, this would be really good for your record and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And even have, or have Jackson sort of go, you know, just give any indications, okay, for her to just go, yep, I will jump in that position. Fuck you, my only friend. I found very, very hard to tell, um, to tolerate. I mean, I didn't mind the immediate jump to, like, yes, the head boy, because, like, that is important to her and I think like Jackson has enough understanding that of course like this is her school is her priority and it's not like she tried to take it she was given that so that didn't bother me it was um the inability to kind of see or acknowledge Mm. different perspectives that I was like for fuck's sake like at least like you might not totally understand everything but have a little ounce of kind of compassion or yeah I don't know it was, it was just kind of devoid of that and she just became yeah this underling of of hopes and I was like and obviously she redeemed herself but it didn't make for an interesting story for her mm-hmm. um, it was more just annoying to have to watch the character make those choices until they finally just 
cottoned on and went, oh, yeah, you are shit and I will join the revolution too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, what did you make of Jackson and Cal? What did you make of Cal as our first Mm non-binary? I want to make sure I'm saying that right, non-binary character on the show. There were a couple of non-binary characters this season as well. There are. Um, Yeah, I liked the friendship chemistry between Jackson and Cal. I didn't necessarily get a sexual vibe between the two, but I could totally understand um, the kind of allure of an exciting new friendship with someone that you really connect with and kind of, you know, takes you out on adventures and is an interesting person and makes you laugh when a lot of your life has been devoid of laughter. Um, I understood why Jackson would be really attracted to Cal and Cal Mm -hmm. would really bond with Jackson. Like all that made sense. Um, I also really loved the chat about acknowledging that if Jackson were to be in a relationship with Cal, that he would in fact be in a queer relationship and that's something that needed to be spoken about. Favorite scenes Mm. in this storyline. I thought like I agree with you on some extent that maybe the romantic or sexual element wasn't as convincing, but I thought that was a very valuable conversation I don't think I've seen on television or really any story before about a cis straight man's attraction to a non-binary person and like how that's actually very complicated um, potentially and how that is something that really needs to be considered pretty carefully if you're going to enter into a relationship like that um, for both parties. Yes. I think it was complicated for Cal. It was obviously very frustrating for them and... There was a lot of naive. Jackson was very naive. I don't think he was ever um, inappropriate. Maybe isn't the right word. Or the, you know, he was not necessarily understanding about the importance of like the bindings and mm. those sorts of things. But the uh, it was never malicious or anything like that. It was never mean spirit. He it was he was totally there and wanting. You know, mm. there was a, there was a real attraction there. And it was just, it's a complicated situation that yeah. need to be really carefully addressed. Yeah. I thought the show did it very well. Mm. I loved Cal saying to Jackson, like, well, I think, I, I know that, you know, you're attracted to me and whatever, we've got feelings for each other. But I think that you see me as a girl and I'm mm-hmm. not a mm-hmm. girl. And I think that was really important to say. Extremely. Because when, when they're kissing and stuff, I was like, oh, they do have sexual chemistry. Yeah. Um. And obviously, friendship vibes. Is there a romantic chemistry? I'm not sure because I think Jackson is trying to romantically connect with Cal as a female or as a, a woman, as a girl, which Cal is not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that was really. I thought that was a really important thing to say and kind of see on screen. I hope we get more of Cal next season. Me too. There was a little bit of sadness, not that, of course, two non-binary people can't be friends, but that last scene between Cal and I don't remember the other character's name, unfortunately, mm. um, almost seemed like that they had to, Cal had to retreat back into just that like world a little bit. I don't know. Like They were helping each other out, but I was like, I mean, you should just see what happens with Cal and, and the rest of the school and not just Jackson and other people mm. next season, if that makes sense. I would like to think that Cal can, can, I don't know, have broader relationships with other people next yeah. season as well. And I think like- Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it does. I see what you're saying. I think it's also cool to see, 
And we see this a bit with Eric as well. Like you can have places within the wider world where you, you know, you feel love and acceptance and all that stuff. But the freedom one feels in their own community is like a Mm -hmm. really different feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like Mm. it is important to kind of see those differences. Like totally can go out in the world and have like best friends and all this stuff. But when you are like in that space where all of the kind of structures that, bind us in like you know the patriarchy and all that shit when you're when you're in a room where none of that stuff has to exist it's really nice um so if we see cal with the other nb person and cal continue to branch out and meet other characters in the show i'd be happy to see both sides explored that's a very very well made point any last words final thoughts that's why you always leave a note. Something I should have brought up a little bit earlier, actually, mm. when we talk about Eric, and I want your opinion on this. I did, I understand everything Eric is saying about, like, I think his quote is something like, I don't want to have to hide anymore here or anywhere, basically. The idea of, like, he wants to be able to be himself anywhere in the world, including in Nigeria. I don't want to, I don't want to pretend not here, not anywhere. Totally mm. get that. Mm-hmm. I did think it was a little strange that when his mum was telling him, you know, how dangerous Nigeria might be for someone like him, he didn't have any recollection of what happened in season one, which felt pretty traumatic to me at the time. And oh, maybe yeah, I forgot about that. Mm. And I, I, I was like, I, I, I appreciate and I respect and admire his confidence that he mm. just wants to be himself everywhere. But I did think it was weird, like almost like it had to pretend that didn't happen in season one because I feel like that would have been pretty informative. Mm. Like if you're being told that, well, things are actually even more dangerous somewhere else, he might at least flinch a little bit at that idea. Yeah, I think that's a Whether it's important or not to the story it was telling is a different story, but I did think it was like, well, that did happen in season one. I mean, I forgot that happened and obviously that conversation didn't spark a memory in me, so... Sure. It's mm. also interesting, though. Similarly, with Amy, there was there was a conversation about how, how Amy is always like a people pleaser first, which is true. Mm. But the discussion was that she wasn't breaking up with Steve because she can't because she doesn't want to upset him. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the very first episode of the show, Amy breaks up with Adam after they've just had good sex for the first time. I was like, well, I don't know. It's not necessarily completely consistent with character. She broke up with Adam, no problem. Didn't seem to really think about it twice. Well, I think Adam was a fucking dickhole, though. And <laughs> I mean, Steve is one of the most beautiful people that's ever existed on the planet. <laughs> so it's quite different. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, so a favourite moment of mine, just... Again, the Eric and Adam stuff was wonderful. After uh, when our Eric is storming off away from Adam at the picnic, mm. Eric just says back to Adam ridiculous young man. <laughs> so I don't know why. Just, I, I love when um, Eric turns into his Nigerian mum. Like yes. when Otis is crying yes. at the hospital and that man yeah. is staying there at the vending machine and he just goes off. It's, he just yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Did they? Do you think they let uh, Otis and Eric, those actors, just basically ad-lib the stuff in the booth? In episode seven, when they're when they're above the big, like they just seem to be letting loose. That looked like they were just. I mean, it wouldn't surprise I me. I don't necessarily scripted. Remember exactly what they said or what they were doing, but I. Oh, one thing I really loved about Otis and Eric, 
Um, I don't know if it's happened in other seasons, but I would just really notice it this season, how comfortable they are with one another physically. Yep, and it was 100%. just really comforting and lovely to see. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel with my really close friends, like, yep. and, you know, straight, gay, whatever. Like, it's just kind of your family at that point. And so that is how you should be with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really lovely to see. Some other little musings, musings and observations. Someone asks why. I think they're asking uh, Otis why he was dressed like Magneto. I'm like, like Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yes. That's a very yes. weird reference. Yeah, no, one. I, I love like, that. Who did say that? Because that was so funny. Yeah, I laughed out loud with that one. Because he did Ruby. look like fucking Magneto. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a bit uh, when Hope, I think, was addressing like the the teacher's body of Moordale. I was like, oh my god, there are other teachers at this school. Mm, mm-hmm. It's not just the two that Miss Sand and the other guy that she, for some reason, is fucking. So um, pretty fucked that Adam doesn't get his phone back after school. I understand that Hope was taking the phone away. Yeah. But does she have the right to just confiscate it wholesale, your mobile fucking phone? No, it would make sense if she's like, oh, you can't take it home. You're like, mum has to come and collect it and stuff. But no, you can't be keeping children's phones for like, I don't know, a week. And they, because their parents need to be able to contact them. You can't remove that method of communication outside of school hours. It's bizarre. Um, on the same day that Jean was in surgery, I think, in a, you know, basically in a, in a medically induced coma at one point, mm. um, she gets up and goes out. And has a chat to Otis or sees Otis while he's talking to Hope. I'm like, why the fuck are you out of bed the same day as surgery, Jean? Get what? the fuck back to bed. Gave me the shits. Was that the same day? It was definitely the same day. It all happened on the same day, I'm pretty sure. Wait, no. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Is that yeah, the order I'm pretty of sure. things? So that that is one day, I'm pretty sure. Otis stays at the fucking hospital. <laughs> Eric yeah. comes. It all happens on the same day. Yeah, because Jean being mm. out of bed and walking around with a drip of an IV is ridiculous. Okay, yeah, I didn't even uh, connect those dots. I, for some reason, I thought that was in another episode. Yeah, yeah. No, same. It was all. It was all the last episode. Yeah, all okay. of it was last episode. Yeah. Um, apparently, they just found Heather Waddingham just Waddington just wandering around on a set one day and thought we better just chuck her in a scene with um. <laughs> With who is that? I don't even know who you're talking about. Um, Jackson's mum. For uh, she's in uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. Wait. I was like, I, I'm sorry. Is this a real story that you're telling me? No, no, no. It just oh. felt like that's what it was because she hadn't been the entire season, oh, I and see they have these saying. two scenes in Jackson's bedroom where I'm not even convinced yeah. they were actually there on the same day, and they were actually filmed at separate times, and they splice them together later. I was like, they must have just found it one day. It's like, can. Can we just get you in just for this couple of bits? Just, just it'd be really helpful to have to you back here because Vivian's since, being a dickhead, yeah. especially since you're now really well regarded for Ted Lasso. We just love to just like have you back in for a little yeah. bit longer. Um, I love Ste- those that scene though, like oh, just nice. talking about like, Mom, how did you know you were gay or whatever? And I was like, whenever someone asks you that, you know that they're like in two months going to come out to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I understood uh, Jackson's mum being like you know, looking expectantly at him. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was cute. And their nice, cute relationship now. Love it. Steph is very concerned. This is my partner, Steph. is very concerned mm. that none of the girls we after having sex on the show. She's very concerned about this. Well, like, maybe Otis doesn't know about it, so he hasn't told anyone that they need to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, he should be after every time he's having sex with Ruby, it's like, mm-hmm. are you going to the bathroom now? You don't want to get a... Also, how do we know that they're not, though? Like, we're not... 
They always just put on their underwear and leave. But they might be going to the to stop off at the toilet. I don't know. Steph, Steph, I'm just saying, I'm just passing on what I heard. Steph was concerned. You know what? Tell Steph to go fuck herself. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, this show is all about like sex positivity and giving mm. kids in- good information. Yeah. Go wee after sex, ladies. Yeah. When Ruby leaves, I should just be like, don't forget to wee. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would actually love that. I that would, would be good, be actually. Very Otis, and that would work really well. <laughs> all right. Controversial one. If someone mm. is taking away your clothes, right? You're in a cubicle, you're yeah. naked, mm-hmm. and someone starts to move, like take the clothes and let, m- move them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd just say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm in, in here. Because what's the other option? You, would you going to be naked you- forever? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's better to have to explain to the teacher why you're in naked in the cubicle than yeah. to have to get home naked. Also, just for clarification, because I did watch this quite a while ago. Yes. Did he get fully naked just to measure his penis? Yes, apparently. Okay, cool. Just want to be clear on oh, that. Was, was he, doing was he just else? measuring? He wasn't masturbating. Even still, he was fully naked for no reason, as far as I can tell. Um, I did not find the cat death start of episode three funny at all. No, neither did I. I was like, fuck I off. I don't, don't think that's funny. I don't think it's a joke. I didn't think that was funny in the slightest. I mean, we did get at the end, though, that... um, No, I agree that scene wasn't funny at all. It was all. traumatic and but, should not yeah, have been But, yeah, at the, the end, and that episode. woman was genuinely devastated. They need to talk about it. I was like, well, that's good. But also, I don't need to see the dead cat being crushed But that's by not how it was set up. It was set up as being a comedic mm. moment at the start it of was, the episode. Yeah, that crazy... Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah, no, not fun. Particularly with someone, one, who loves cats and has always had cats, but yes. now who has a tiny fucking dog that could very mm. easily be crushed by anything. I don't want to see that. Sopranos was bad enough. Didn't yeah. need that oh as well. Oh, my God. Don't remind me of that. <laughs> oh. uh, finally, finally, mm. did they ever say what the deal is with Eric's dad not being there? He gets talked no. about an awful lot. What is, I said that to Angela. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on with Eric's dad? Like, he just was- didn't go to Nigeria? He didn't go to Nigeria, but he was never at their house this season yeah. or last season. I wish someone would just tell me where he is. Just say he's yeah. on a business trip. Say yeah. he's looking after a sick relative somewhere. I don't care. Just give me something. Don't talk about him like he's here, but he's not. Yes. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's going on? Least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? Oh, it's always so hard with this show because there's always moments that I really like and moments I'm like, eh. mm. For each one. Um, so I've just kind of randomly selected them, if I'm totally honest with you. Uh, I've got episode six as my least favorite. It's where we have the sign punishment mm-hmm. um, of the students, which is just so absurd for like if you've been brought into a school where parents get up in arms over anything, literally fucking anything, they'll come in and have a fucking PTA meeting about it, that you're going to punish their children with, like, name and shame signs around their neck. Yeah. Like, bad, bad move. Um, it's also when Elsie gets kidnapped and the boys are fucking dickheads and I was just yes. like, I don't, really, don't want to watch them do this. This is annoying. So totally. I chose that one. Yeah. My least favourite episode is episode eight where the, the writing and trying to wrap up all those storylines started to really, like, felt the weight of mm. that on the show. It's just by far the clunkiest. It was almost like they were told, you actually only have seven episodes to wrap up the season and you get this one ep- epilogue episode and you have to wrap up every storyline in case we don't come back for season four. 
which may have actually legitimately been a concern yeah. with COVID and stuff. They didn't know if they were going to be coming back or not. That's true. Um, but I, I, it still felt really rushed and poorly written. And there are great moments in there still, don't get me wrong. But I think as far as like episodes going, it's the clunkiest episode I can remember the show ever having. Uh, what is your favourite episode? Um, I'm going to go with episode three because uh, I just love all the Ruby stuff. I was like, I'm mm. just enjoying getting to know Ruby. I love that she has brought Otis and us into her home. Um, she's still herself. Um, but, yeah, just a we're seeing a beautiful side of her. We also get Amy in therapy with Jean and I loved that like that scene just to see her safe and talking about it was really good yeah so i think yep. i just overall just enjoyed that episode sure my favorite episode was episode six um which was your least favorite mm-hmm. it was mostly because of the eric and nigeria stuff but because i yeah. agree with you we talked about the umbrage of it all with hope and mm-hmm. i agree with that and i agree with the boys being really annoying with their fragile masculinity crap with um with Maeve. Mm. Um if we had just been in Nigeria, it would have been my favorite episode. <laughs> I, I I did really, really appreciate that stuff. The yeah. I also I guess I appreciate that while I didn't love the Umbridge stuff with Hope, I did like like it, like the storylines started to come together. There was a real narrative mm-hmm. momentum. It felt like it was building towards something. It was easy to sort of get behind that. So while it was clumsy and over the top, it was effective at getting me like, yeah, let's fucking get her. <laughs> um, but I I agree with your all right. And listen, if we could rank storylines, mm. uh, the this stuff with Eric and Eric and Adam in general would be at the top. Yeah. And then I agree with you about the Ruby stuff. Um, maybe that's what we should do in the future. If we're starting to come up with episodes, we should start story saying lines. what our favourite and least favourite storylines are. That's a good idea. Um, because that would have been a lot easier to do. Because because there are so many storylines mm. and threads in every episode that don't always yeah. There's always separate. a thread in every episode that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Really hard. Yeah. Which is the strength of the show, though. It, it very rarely yeah. has really It's not a episodes. complaint. It's just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any predictions, hopes, and concerns or concerns going forward into season four? I feel like we've spoken a lot about that, actually. Mm. Um, so, obviously, a major concern is the continuation of Maeve and Otis. Will they, mm-hmm. won't they stuff? Which I don't think mm-hmm. anyone at this point wants to see. Whether you like that relationship or not, I think you just want it. Over and Just done with in any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, do I or don't? I don't think I want Raheem and Adam to have any kind of relationship. But then I think about it, I'm like, maybe it would be cute. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something's going on with that friendship. Um, and I, I would like to explore that. I'm not entirely sure what their intentions are, though, with it. Yeah. Um, and my worry there as well is this happens sometimes in shows where. They'll just keep pairing up the gay <laughs> characters with each other until they run out. But what I, I love about this ones. show, though, is there are so many queer characters. True. That you true. Can't, usually in other shows, there's like two. You might get a third <laughs> for a couple episodes to break up the, the two. And then sure. the third one fucks off anyway. And then no one's happy. Um, uh-huh. Classic. <laughs> so at least this one, we've got some, we've got some options to play with. Um. I wonder if we've got the Adam and his dad stuff. Well, oh, I'm with, really I think. looking forward to that because that's like, if if that gets resolved in some kind of way, I'm like, okay, this show can end now. But I really need at that part of Adam's heart to heal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that would be very important to me. Um, I wonder if Adam and Ola will ever do anything because I just love their friendship and I don't want them to hook up in any way. That would make me sad. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I do. I'd forgotten Adam is actually bi, isn't he? So yeah. that is a good point. It, there is that possibility of opening up to completely different relationships with women and non-binary characters and all sorts of things. Um mm-hmm. Potentially. Nice. Possibilities are endless. Ola too, I guess, because she's pansexual, isn't she? She's pan, mm. yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, hmm. Hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Um, uh, I am very fearful that this gene baby thing is going to yeah. be an issue. I was like, let's just... let's. I hope she's actually just opening a bill. <laughs> you know, like I really hope that that is... It's, they're just playing with us. She um, finds out mm. she's actually related to someone who's really wealthy and she's inherited a uh, a haunted mansion. Yes. <laughs> that's what that's what the test is. Like, oh, the DNA test says you're actually entitled to this. Fuck yeah. You just have to stay amazing. in it for a week um, mm. and then it's yours. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Brad? What are you? That you basically, you've gone through them all, really. Yeah, gene paternity test, uh, Adam and Michael. Um, oh, I guess the question was where will the kids go to study? Can they save the school? Something like that. They sort of set up at the end of this season. The oh, idea. Oh yeah, that... I forgot about the school. Um... Another reason I kind of thought that maybe we weren't getting another season. It was like, and eh, mm. there's no more Moredale. That's the end of it. Um, I'm kind of my general feeling is that let's. It's funny, right? Because the, the extended ensemble cast is one of the best things of it. But let's maybe start to wrap up some of these storylines, refocus, and start to end, or. Maybe we start to jettison some characters and storylines and start to introduce some new and replace them with new ones. You know, the the year below these kids coming up through nope, high school. I hate or, that. Don't do that. Or whatever. But I, I think something has to change. Either yes. the show has to start leading towards an ending or Which I it think needs it will. To, I hope it will. I feel like the next one should be the last one. Yeah, in some degree. I'm just getting that feeling that it's starting to... It's losing a little bit of its magic or mm-hmm. it's trying too hard to keep its magic because mm-hmm. it's so funny because I was so impressed by how confident season two was itself with itself after season one I was surprised mm-hmm. by how I felt the opposite this time with season three sometimes so I love the show and I don't want it to just peter out no I want this to be a four season show not a, like a six or seven season show that just sort of like runs until it runs out of steam yeah, yeah I don't want that either I think that's my biggest concern but that being said knowing we're getting a season four and, and the quality has been great they've all been four star shows for us seasons mm. for us I am properly looking forward to season four whenever it does arrive me too Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot-topic episode, which will feature our mini-review of Marvel's What If Season 1. I believe the review after that one is going to be Ted Lasso Season 1 from memory. Um, So looking forward to getting both of those. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.